So, uh, here we are back in the booth again. Time to uh, cast a new uh, George McFly, I guess? Oh, that's right. Uh, Crispin Glover bailed on us. Another contract negotiation falling through. God damn it. Why didn't we just use stock footage? Uh... There's kind of a complicated answer to that. Okay, okay, all right. Well, uh, so, uh, casting for George McFly, uh, uh, who do we have first? Is, is Tom Wilson in the booth? We have to see their chemistry, if, if uh, how that's going. Uh, yeah, butthead. Oh, great, great, great to see you, Tom. Um, um, all right, let's, uh, let's get the first guy in. Um, I've got, uh, uh, uh Jeffrey Weisman? Weisman? It's, and his it's agent. Weisman. Weissman? It's Weissman, guy. Oh, okay. Uh, welcome, Jeffrey. Uh, all right, are you hey, ready? Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I all got right. this. Uh, Jeffrey Weissman, George McFly, take one, and action. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. Uh, you're telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Stop, stop, good, stop. right? No, no, no. What? I mean, good, good effort, but... Um, you're actually reading for George McFly, not Marty McFly. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll do another case here. Uh, all right, Jeffrey Weissman, George McFly, take two, and action. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Doc. Are you trying to tell me that my mother has got the hots for me? Cut! Come on, kid. What? What? I'm telling you, that was a perfect McFly. No, no, no. I don't think you're understanding it, Um. Uh, 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 you're reading for George McFly. The parts that you seem to be rehearsing were for Marty McFly. Uh, Marty McFly is already cast, so... Uh, can we try that again? Maybe I should step in just a little bit. Uh, for a little context, you know, we can No, we no, can no. Just stay out. Stay out now. I mean, to be clear, it's George McFly. Tom, you're not necessary yet. In a little bit. All right. Oh, the dad? George McFly? Yes. Bullshit. Yes, this is... Bull! No, this is bullshit. I am firing my fucking agent. No, no, you're not. The contract says I own your ass until at least 2015, so sorry, kid. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, listen here, maybe I could be of a little assistance. Uh, okay, Tom, I guess you can help out. We can read a few lines together for some context, you know what I'm talking about? Sure, sure. Let's, let's test the chemistry. Why not, uh... Jeffrey, uh, good effort. Let's uh, remember George McFly, and we'll start with Tom first. All right. <clears throat> Hello, McFly. Anyone there, McFly? Earth to McFly. Hey, you get your damn hands off me. That's perfect, perfect, uh, perfect. I cut print. That's great. No, really, you get your fucking hands off Whoa, me. Hey, hey, uh, placement, come on. Oh, oh my god! It's, it's, oh, it's a massacre! In a world where the human race has nearly unlimited access to all forms of media, mankind faces its greatest enemy. I've come for vengeance. A looming threat. Can you look at that? What is, what is that? A paralyzing choice. You have eight choices. Choose incorrectly, and I cannot be held responsible for your suffering. Is the next movie in my queue good or bad? Hey, do you guys want to watch Geely? A war that threatens our very existence. We have come to take over your world. And it will be fought over. 
Haus. Uh, one podcast dares to make sense of it all, so you don't have to. This is the Sacred Cows Podcast. And now, welcome your hosts. Hey, everyone, I'm Pete. Hi, I'm Mike. And special guest. Hey, everybody, my name is Josh. Thanks, Thanks disembodied, disembodied voice guy. guy. Say, disembodied voice guy, I couldn't help but notice that you're three minutes late today. What's the deal? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You'll have to excuse me. I've been busy entertaining my brother, disembodied voice bro. Bro, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, I mean, I, I think you just did. Hey, hey, everybody. Uh, uh, You'll have to excuse him. Um, he's a little bit shy. Oh, is that right? Uh, it seems kind of unlike the uh, what I figured your family would be like. Well, you know, he has the uh, striking looks and uh, winning personality of uh, me, minus the murderous rage, uh... I'm Why don't you tell them about yourself, disembodied voice bro? I'm kind of the black voice of the family. Huh, well, you know what? If you uh, don't like to get all in our face and you're not murderous, I kind of like you already. Oh, I don't like what you're implying. I'll just be in the... Saying, you know? I'll just be in the corner. I'm sorry. <sighs> See you later, Pete. Welcome to the Sacred Cows Podcast. Uh, today we have with us a special guest for our Back to the Future Part 2 review episode, Josh from the Cthulhu and Friends podcast. Josh, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey guys, what's up? Um, my name's Josh. I think that was that was already mentioned. I am one of the players and the producer of the Cthulhu and Friends podcast. We are a live, or we're an actual play podcast. We play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. And uh, it's kind of a horror, sometimes comedy, a lot of gross stuff happens. And yeah, it's hard to describe. Like if It's uh, so warm. If, yeah, I was going to say, oh. keep going. I like to hear you try. <laughs> like if Nerd Poker and Welcome to Night Vale had a baby and was better than both shows, maybe that would be yes. our show. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I agree. We'll uh, <laughs> welcome to the show and we're super glad to have you. We're uh, talking about Back to the Future Part 2. So I hope you at least watch the movie. Wait, was that required? That uh, was the only thing that was required. I had one <laughs> fucking job. I am sorry. No, I totally watched it. I totally did. So let's get right into talking about the history of Back to the Future Part 2. So, Back to the Future 2. Let's talk a little bit about a history and the making of this 1989 movie. Well, the we sort of touched on this a little bit in our first movie's treatment, that there wasn't necessarily going to be a second movie. Uh, the first movie was meant to function as a standalone, but it quickly turned into Back to the Future 2, the search for more money, essentially. Of course, if you have a, a, wonderful, <laughs> a wonderfully successful movie that makes, I don't know, like what, four... Well, like 10 times ten more. 10 times its operating budget. Yeah, right. you, you're definitely going to say, hmm, I wonder if I can make this into a franchise. Which they did, with, certainly. Yeah, with uh, with a few problems, of course. They had some more interesting uh, casting-related stuff with this movie. 
They certainly did. You know, the first thing you notice in this movie is that they've reshot the last scene from the first movie. And that's due to the fact that there is a new Jennifer, Marty's girlfriend, uh, Elizabeth Shue, who you might recognize from Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, that was the one with the girl who's obsessed with Thor, right? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Awesome. Yes, it was. And that's a that's a pretty good movie. It's actually on the bookshelf right next to me. Uh, but uh, that is one of the major casting changes that required them to reshoot that film. The other major casting change would be the, the actor that played George McFly in the movie, uh, changed from being Crispin Glover to being uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Weisman, Weisman uh, in heavy prosthetics. Right. Um, so and you, might, you might know him from, well, pretty much just this movie, unfortunately. For yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he's just a stand-in. And, and, and the, the, the story behind that was basically that Crispin Glover was only offered uh, $125,000 for the part they wanted George McFly to be more involved in the original script version of the movie, but because of not being able to come to an agreement with Crispin Glover, they ended up writing out George McFly's parts in alternate 1985 and making him dead. A little spoilers before we get into that section, but oh. um, yeah. So basically they played the trick that they play when an actor like dies on the set. They used a bunch of footage that they'd already shot of him from the first movie. That they owned. That they owned and uh, had to get an actor wear a, wear a uh, Crispin Glover mask essentially for the rest of the, the scenes. And interestingly enough, Crispin Glover sued and won a lawsuit against this movie's production um, that ended up changing how... Uh, actors footage is allowed to be used for uh previous things so basically he sued because they used these scenes that they already owned of him and successfully got paid after the lawsuit for the scenes they used of him in the movie and of course this ended up being something that's part of standard um uh contract for you know screen actors guild actors that if you use the scenes in some other movie you owe the actor some money similar to if you were just, I don't know, playing the movie on cable TV, selling another DVD copy, etc. So it, it changed um, movie law. He ruined it for all those fat cat movie producers. Way to stick it to him, Crispin. <laughs> what, kind of a, what kind of a name is that anyway, Crispin? Makes me think of bacon. Maybe his mother was eating bacon. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't get a huge uh, carnivore vibe when I look at Crispin Glover. No, for sure. More no. like. More like all he ever eats is Rice Krispies without milk. Well, those are also Crispin. Yeah, there we oh. go. But I'm Ching. Yeah, good. <laughs> Truer words were never spoke. Uh, oh, and also Elijah Wood is Video Game Boy, and Joe Flaherty is Western Union Man in a couple of pre-fame cameos, I think. I did not realize that the two kids playing the Nintendo game in 2015 were Video Game Boy, or sorry, <laughs> was Elijah Wood. Yeah. Obviously, it would be Video Game Boy. Of course it was Video Game Boy, but, but uh, not the kind of video games you use your hands for, apparently. Um, some other interesting things about just the making of this movie is that uh, Back to the Future Part 2 and 3 were filmed simultaneously because Michael J. Fox was just getting done with Family Ties. They had to change the Hill Valley set to make it a Western for Part 3, but a lot of the um, production work for other different set parts and things were done at once. So it was one of the very first productions where it was done like that because they had Michael J. Fox's time and to save money. They also uh, spent a lot of time turning Hill Valley into a future city. Uh, and interesting to note that uh, they get a few things about the future wrong, but mostly that the set designers were given the direction to 
make it into a future city where there are hoverboards. And so they had to do that. Uh, competing visions included a Blade Runner dystopian type of future and then the happy little go-lucky tacky 80s version of the future that it turned out to be. Yeah, and then you get some sort of uh, post-apocalyptic Blade Runner stuff later anyway. That is true. Does anybody else have anything to add to the to the making of information? What about the hype created by uh, the... Almost forgot. The, the fake hoverboards, which were actually real. I don't remember if it was Zemeckis or Spielberg who implied to the press that the hoverboards they used were real. I, I remember hearing something about that as a kid and... and, uh, and and like, yeah, mom, I want a hoverboard. I, I, I must have missed out that whole fucking thing. I, I don't remember that at all. All right. Well, so now since we've talked about the history of the movie and some of the interesting uh, controversies, why don't we get to our individual history with the movie? Let's start with uh, Josh's first. You know, I actually don't have a lot of memories of when this movie was, uh, you know, when it released in theaters. My biggest recollection is... <laughs> and this is a little embarrassing. When they finally showed it on network television, uh, there was like some kind of storm as it was airing and it knocked down my uh, our antenna at the house. And I remember crying like a very Did small your clock girl. Stop? Oh, no, it reset to like 1881. I was very confused. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I remember uh, crying uh, like a little baby girl because I couldn't watch Back to the Future 2 because everyone had seen Back to the Future 2. I mean, Jesus. Uh, so my dad uh, went and rented it for me that next weekend and I got to watch it on, on you oh, know, without nice. commercials and without editing. Ha! Nice. I do remember though yes. the the scene where uh, he's in you know downtown Hill Valley in uh, in the future, and they're excuse me and they're playing Jaws 3D and the and the horrible horrible CGI Jaws comes out and like chomps on him and I was like that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is wonderful cinema. what you can do nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting fact about that, I, I did uncover during my research about the Jaws thing. The CGI was, that was like the first take. This was like the, the, like, this is what it should look like. And they're like, no, no, keep that in the movie. It's so shitty. We want it. Right. They liked the idea that uh, it was, you know, a, a technology in its infancy in 2015, oh, I guess. Jesus. Right. And that was already, that was well after Money for Nothing. So, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so that was like just supposed to be the mock-up or something. And they, and they just said yeah. run with it wow mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah they were like oh yeah we want it to be appropriately shitty yeah we, <laughs> we like how it's cheesy well and and part you know obviously it goes with the, there's a lot of cheese in this movie oh absolutely just spreading out that cheese whiz especially in 2015 oh my god yeah <laughs> so uh pete do you want to go next yeah you know um i guess i don't remember when this movie was brand new to me it felt like the back to the future trilogy was always kind of a prepackaged deal but um i do remember as a kid i liked this one best and watching the scenes from 2015 in this movie i think i can understand why that was the case flashy uh, colors why yeah nine ten year old me thought that this was fantastic uh stuff so i came into watching this movie kind of thinking that this was my favorite and uh, it was fun to watch uh, that way. But yes, of course, uh, watched all of the movies very frequently as a kid. So I was a big fan. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess I'll go next for mine. Um, for my history of this movie, I remember this movie was the reason that I ended up watching the first Back to the Future. Uh, being that uh, 
basically, when this movie was coming out in theaters, I watched the first one on HBO, and then, like, oh, God, now we have to go see it. Except I never ended up getting to see it. It ended up coming out on VHS is how I ended up seeing it. Um, but, yeah, I remember, like, oh, yeah, I really want a hoverboard. And I think there was, like, a making of special on ABC was how I got really hyped for it, you know? If I'm not mistaken, they kept up the charade of the real hoverboards in the making of special. Oh, yeah, in yeah. The documentary mm-hmm. about the movie. They're I'm pretty like, sure I saw the, the making way, of real. before I saw the movie because that was like the, you know, to get you to go to the theaters, they used to do these making of specials on network TV, like, you know, uh, <laughs> and that was, the, that was the one. So, yeah, when I finally saw it, it was like, uh, you know, one of my favorite movies and I loved it. You know, for me, I, th- I always felt like this was my my least favorite of the trilogy. You know, the first one was this kind of amazing thing, and, you know, I liked all the 50s stuff, and the, the music in it was great, like when he was doing, you know, Johnny Be Good and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed the, uh, you know, part three, because it was Western, and there was poop everywhere, and horses, and <laughs> shooting people with guns. And I don't know, the the part two was always like, to me, it was just the continued misadventures of Marty McFly. Like, how many times can he fuck things up or get fucked over, you know, before things yeah. kind of... They don't even wrap up well. He's stranded in 1954. And, you know, well, spoilers. We get, we'll get to that. Well, maybe part of the problem is it's hard to have nostalgia for things that happen in the future, too. So, who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh... Let's go through and talk about our, our, our watching experience. Uh, this time, let's start with Pete. All right. Well, a little bit aggravating. I once again chose to rent the movie on YouTube, uh, which was not the same smooth experience that I told you about for Back to the Future 1. It just seemed like it was impossible to actually let it give me money. So I, that's, not a, <laughs> that's not a great marketing scheme, uh, really. It's like I, I had to turn tricks to get this thing to... to uh, let me rent it and uh it was also peppered shall we say by my wife unplugging the tv and playstation halfway through the movie uh right when they discover they're in the alternate timeline all right well josh how was your recent viewing experience it was actually quite good um i uh acquired the movies on a uh, high def blu-ray which you know I, nice i kind of i kind of knew about this in advance so i'd, I'd been prepared and I'm kind of in a phase in my life where I'm showing my kids some of the cool stuff that I grew up with. And this is, you know, been on the list for that. Uh, also things like new wave music and, you know, Oingo Boingo and stuff. But anyway, uh, I actually watched this one with my kids. And, they, uh, you know, there was the, the they used the word shit a lot in this movie, more than I remember <laughs> yeah. when I was, yeah, I you know, so. eight years old. Isn't it only PG or is it PG-13? I don't know. They said they said shit a few times. There was a lot of shit in that movie. There was. You know, I don't have a I don't have a rating on this, so I don't know. You know, the way the movie felt, it did not feel PG. So yeah, I want to say it was PG, but I I could be wrong about that. One one thing I uh, I appreciated about this movie as opposed to the to the first one was they got rid of all that fucking aging makeup. 
Oh my God, on high def, that is the worst thing ever. Just seeing all that weird latex oogie boogie shit on their necks, like on uh, Strickland and on uh, Docs. I hated it so much. So glad to see that shit go. Yeah, that was definitely something we pointed out in the first film. Even watching it in standard definition, as I did, because I was too cheap to pay an extra buck, it was like very noticeable that it was the technology was aging, I think, at the time. So it just Hmm. didn't look as good as you would see in a modern movie. Hmm, interesting. I did maybe that whole Oh, you go ahead. I was gonna say maybe the whole thing about uh about Doc tearing his face off, like oh, I just did this to fool you was sort of an acknowledgement of that. Yeah, uh, I kind of in, felt in like future. it was, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> And it was. Um well, uh yeah, my experience uh, again since I own the the uh the D V D copies of the twenty fifth anniversary uh set, um I basically uh, popped it in and uh, I watched it by myself. My wife uh, uh, had business to do for her business, so she left and I got to, you know, just watch it by myself, eat a little popcorn and uh, have a good old time. So I guess I have nothing compared to the stories that you two had. It was just uh, a a good opportunity to watch a movie and do nothing else. Just can't complain. Is there any baggage that either of you have uh, have brought in that would color your perception of this movie when as we're judging it? I think I have a little. You know, I, I said my thing about uh, you know my opinion that I thought the second was the the weakest out of the three movies, and I think I felt that so greatly before I uh, started the movie that I expected to kind of hate it. Um, I won't say whether I did hate it or not, because I think that's what we do at the end of the show, if I if I remember correctly. Yep. But yeah, I totally uh, came into it expecting to think, well, you know, it's not the first one with its groundbreaking stuff, and it's not the third one with the cool cowboys and yeehaws and shit. Uh, <laughs> and yes, I know it's the one in the future with the hoverboards and whatnot, but I was just kind of, eh, you know, about that. So I expected to just think it was poo-poo, but, you know, we'll see how that went. So, uh, you know, I was kind of the opposite. This one, I remembered it being my favorite movie, and that's probably because as a young kid in the early 90s, you know, any vision of the future, I was into Star Wars and Star Trek, so anything showing us a vision of the future, I know Star Wars isn't the future, shut up. Anyway, but I I really expected that, well, you know, I knew it was my favorite, but I've done this podcast enough to know that shit you liked as a kid does not necessarily translate well to shit you like as an adult. So. It's almost like doing this podcast makes you look at uh, movies a little differently, doesn't well, it? Well, exactly. It really and, does, yeah. uh, hopefully, hopefully for all you listeners as well, uh, open your eyes to a few things. Just remember that as a kid you were kind of a dumbass, so <laughs> don't listen to that guy or girl. Oh, I'll, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, my, my perception of this movie... Um, I'm kind of on the on the one and three train, and I have been for I don't know. I, I watched it uh, a few times in college, and so that's sort of the 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 train I'm riding on is that one and three are the good ones, and two is kind of like the other one that's just there to set up one and three. Uh, so that's really the baggage I brought in. Uh, one obviously is my favorite. I I think I love a self-contained movie, um, and this is sort of uh, the the baggage i brought in also is that you know like it one was a self-contained movie and and these are the movies that they're like i want some money two suffers from sequelitis for sure yeah so um it's like two doesn't have a beginning or end 
<laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. It just picks up where the other left off. So yeah, that's really where I brought in. So we'll 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 see um, if it really uh, holds up at the end of the podcast. But right now, uh, let's go into the massive spoiler section. And now is the time where we spoil the heck out of the movie. So if you have not watched the movie thus far in this podcast, you need to stop everything, pause it, uh, we'll wait for you here, and go watch the movie. Now... Did you watch it? Welcome back. If now you've, that you've watched the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So we're going we're gonna to spoil the movie right now. And uh, to start with, we always do the elevator pitch for the movie so which one of you guys wants to do the elevator pitch not it I'd... Uh, well yeah i don't want to do it i don't want to do it either well so now what Wait, do we do hold uh, on i got it i got it i got it i have before me a six-sided die <gasps> Ooh, a d6 we'll uh we'll let fate decide who gets to spoil the move well who does the elevator pitch if i roll a one or a two i'll do it if i roll a three or a four Mike will be the one to do the elevator pitch. And five or six, it'll go to Pete. Here we go. Okay. Hold your breaths. Drum roll. Ooh, we rolled a four. Woo! Now you're excited about doing it. All right, I'm glad we did this. You're yeah. in the hot seat. Yeah, let's uh, let's it... talk about this movie right after our message from our sponsor. No, I'm sorry, I don't. I don't have a sponsor, unfortunately. Budweiser declined to sponsor this show. I'll throw a buck at you later. Ooh. Ooh, that's sexy. <laughs> sexy times. <laughs> no, I knew somebody was going to think of that. I, I, <laughs> um, all right. God damn it. So uh, this movie is probably one of the hardest ones to do an elevator pitch, which is why we all didn't volunteer, because it is the most convoluted of the Back to the Future movies. Uh, basically, we pick up right where we left off uh, with Doc Brown uh, coming back to Marty's house after Marty and Jennifer are just like, Oh, look at the new truck. And Doc Brown says, it's your kids, Marty. It's your kids. We got to go back to the future and, and, and fix something with your kids. So he doesn't tell Marty much or Jennifer much. Gets them in the car. Uh, they go to the future. The future is, is uh, big and flashy. And basically, the long story short, Doc has to have Marty uh, stand in for his kid so that his kid can say no to something Griff, Biff's grandson, wants to do. Uh, and not go to jail. Uh, Marty basically causes a big ruffus with, with Griff Tannen. Um, they have a, a traditional Back to the Future uh, skateboarding scene, except it's on hoverboards now, and uh, Griff ends up uh, going through the front of the clock tower, which is now like a big glass structure, and ends up going it's to jail. It's a mall. Yeah, they turned it into a mall in the future. That's right. right. It's a mall. Okay. You know, I just noticed something. Griff grandson biff it's a portmanteau ah very wise uh <laughs> but who cares seriously yeah. during the course of events marty ends up getting a sports almanac um which old biff tannen uh sees him do they old biff tannen also sees that it's there's two martys making him think well what's with the second marty oh they're in a time machine so old biff steals the almanac from marty and the time machine from marty and doc goes back to some other time we don't know till later in the movie. Marty and Doc fix their stuff in, in uh, 2015 and end up realizing, going back to 1985, where the future is a shitty Biff version of the future because Biff changed something that puts Biff as the wealthiest guy basically in the country and the most powerful guy in the country. He's Donald Trump. 
he's Donald Trump and basically the, the Hill Valley of yeah, <laughs> the Hill Valley of 1985 is now some sort of somewhere between uh, normal 1985 and Mad Max. And then we end up seeing how bad it really is. And Doc and Marty realize that um, George McFly is dead, that Biff went back in time, old Biff, and screwed up the timeline with 1955 Biff, giving us going back to the 1955 time to sort of shadow all the events of the first movie in order to stop that Biff from having the almanac. And at the end of the movie, Marty burns the almanac after much shenanigans to get it back and restores that 1985 timeline. But in the cliffhanger ending, Doc is is uh, hovering with the DeLorean and the DeLorean gets struck by lightning, sending Doc to time previously unknown, but foreshadowed in the movie, 1885. The same thunderstorm that struck the other DeLorean and sent it back to 1985 in the first movie, which is poetic. God hates DeLoreans is the message. Of the movie. <laughs> if there is a God, right? <laughs> or if there is a DeLorean. I don't know. Religion is difficult. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that is the extremely convoluted elevator pitch. I tried to get as simple as I could without going into paradoxes and... Uh, I'm impressed. Yeah. You didn't make it sound like a four-year-old story. And then they go to the future, and then they go to the past, and then they have to go back to the past, and then they have to go to the future again. <laughs> and hoverboards! 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 <laughs> that would have been my first viewing account of the movie. Oh, sure. boy. So, yeah, that's the elevator pitch. Oh. You know yeah, what? I, I don't understand why uh, Marty didn't punch that little girl in the face, give her the pink one back, and take that badass black one. Like, seriously. Yeah! It's a little fucking girl! <laughs> I guess they were playing him up as, like, the hero or something. Oh, Fuck man. that shit. I'm stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. I wouldn't have hung on to the, you know, Barbie-branded Mattel, Mattel version yeah. either, right? <laughs> so what did you guys find that was uh, very interesting going on in this movie? I think, uh, for me, I saw a lot of foreshadowing that I've never seen in a previous viewing. Yes. Looking for that now. Yeah, I totally did. Like when uh like when they show uh Buford Mad Dog Tannen in uh in the history of Biff little video special that Marty was watching. Yes, that's right. I, I didn't, you know, think shit about that when I watched that the first time and then I was like, Oh it's Mad Dog Tannen and, he, and there's yeah. Oh I totally love it. And that. of course uh, Marty also gets the idea for the third movie, this is foreshadowing and spoiling a movie we haven't even seen yet. The idea to call himself Clint Eastwood in the future, or sorry, <laughs> in 1885, and the idea to wear a bulletproof vest in that movie as well, because yep. oh, Biff, right. Biff was Biff watching, was watching what, Fistful of Dollars or something on. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Oh my God, I didn't even catch that this See? time. Yeah. Isn't that something? Oh, wow. Uh, hmm. Clint Eastwood dresses better, though, let me tell you. I saw the the preview for the third movie at the end of this film, but that's neither here nor there. Coming summer, 1990. Oh, I can't wait! Oh, yeah, that was 25 years ago. Shit. Yeah, I told you my kids were uh, watching that with me, and that came on, and they're like, oh, that's forever away! I'm like, oh, you guys are fucking... <laughs> you guys are really, so fucking dumb. I love you, but you're fucking stupid. Oh, uh, I actually didn't know how right they were. <laughs> the, the foreshadowing I noticed, um, and I guess the, the ones you have blow, blew my mind because I didn't even realize it, um, was just talking about like Doc is like saying what he would be doing ideally if the time machine didn't exist when they're talking about destroying it before they go back to 1985. He's like, well, while I would like to go to the Old West, mm. I think I'll devote my time to studying life's other mystery, women, yeah, which yeah, are two yeah, things yeah, that he yeah. does in Back to the Future 3. Mm -hmm. <laughs> True story. 
Also, lots of foreshadowing in this movie because they got 2015, the year 2015, exactly right. Am I right, guys? Oh, no. yeah. Totes. No. Wait, what? No, no. There are a few problems with their vision of the future. Uh, however, I have to say that that was the part of this movie that I really remembered the most yeah. from my viewings as a kid like i think that was what was designed to get the kids attention basically it's colorful it's silly as hell the actors are beyond absurd tom wilson does not phone it in in this movie as griff (laughs) at all during that scene griff is overacting scenery chewing it's like much scenery was chewed it's like biff on fucking meth yes And it, I guess it's explained by him being uh, <laughs> partly robotic with his circuits short-circuiting, but uh, it's just everything about the future in this movie is utterly absurd. It's it's crazy. It's it's gaudy. It's fakey-looking. Uh, we are treated to some pretty bad special effects, I think, when it comes to the hoverboards. Um, I had read that this was like a groundbreaking special effects movie, and wow, I did not see that. Well, I mean, some of it was... I remember watching the making of it. A lot of it was... Uh, it wasn't necessarily groundbreaking. It was. It was uh, some of it was practical effects. Like when Marty's over the water, they literally have like, like lines suspending the hoverboard that Michael J. Fox is standing on over this pool of water, and then they just take them out but it's it's not digital so they couldn't do it like seamlessly well you know it's this is in an era when they do the practical effects that's when it looks good yeah and that was okay when they try to do the green screeny stuff it ends up looking well very green screen there's a lot of rotoscoping throughout the entire movie i think that's what it's called right rotoscoping i don't know i I think that's associated i know that's how they did lightsabers lightsabers yeah yeah that seems right well you can tell i mean that they're doing either rotoscoping or green screening um when when in this you know movie because you see like the this faint outline around the characters which yeah. they've gotten so much better taking that out with oh. because of digital computer processing certainly and you can see that in the future scenes you can see that when they go back to 1955 when they're basically filming over scenes of either marty doing something else or you know scenes from back to the future yeah where uh like the one where he's looking through the window and you've got marty talking to his mom and his dad through the window or the door right before biff comes out that shit kind of pulled me out yeah and there was a bunch of like little little things like that where i was just like ooh, could they was there was there no way to make that look better like you guys spent so much money on this didn't you have a few million dollars to play with come well, on even then i mean they could probably make it better now i mean i as much shit as we give george lucas for altering the original star wars trilogy oh boy. are um, you suggesting a special edition i'm suggesting they could at least clean up the the you know the rotoscoping lines because i'm sure they could do it in a way that doesn't distort the actual movie you don't have to i'm not saying they should add job of the hut to back to the future part say, 2 if they're going <laughs> to nip and tuck a little bit though where's the slippery slope and oh god jar jar (laughs) misa from evil 1985 (laughs) i think they should uh, i think they should just replace uh alternate universe biff with with uh job of the hut oh ho ho ho, marty mcfly yeah it's perfect seamless no one will notice i know right give this man some scenery quick true Oh yeah, but I mean, not not only not only is Tom Wilson, I mean, just doing awesome as as Griff. I thought he plays Biff in all his incarnations like perfectly. Oh I, yeah, he steals the show in my opinion. 
In this one, definitely, I yeah. think that's true. I mean, he is also the main driver of conflict in this movie. Well, he was in the first one, too, in he's, a way. He's, like, evil. We acknowledge that in the first movie. Now he's really evil. Oh, yeah. E- evil plus power. Right. That's right. You can see it in his eyes right away when he first sees the DeLorean flying off and going into the future at the very beginning of the movie. He ser- gets this sinister look on his face immediately when he notices that something is something is not right he's right. just a good actor and he's not only i mean he's also taken the power I mean, when you when you go into the alternate 1985 completely away from everybody else i mean uh he has lorraine but he's taken all the power away from her it's not, you know she tries to make a stand but she realizes she's fucked mm-hmm. you know if she does that uh, or her kids are fucked he's got too much on her right basically she can't just walk away mm-hmm so it, it's interesting. I mean, they, plus they, he owns the police. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. But they also Which is a good thing to have the the original movie. You know, they 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 showed how bad um, Marty's family life was. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, you know, that's nothing compared to what it becomes in Back to the Future Two. Of course, the pinnacle being George McFly is shot down by Biff quite right. literally. He's killed, right? Yeah, off yeah. camera, but. It can always get worse. Um, I will have to say for the visual effects that I thought any time that an actor was on screen with themselves, it looked fairly good. And I realized that that's a much more simple special effect than, you know, showing flying cars and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, much much of it is achieved with showing the back of an extra's head and that kind of thing. But there there are some side-by-side scenes. I I remember seeing the side-by-side scene, the only one they showed in that making of special, and I, I know that's on the DVDs too, uh, was the Biff and Biff, old Biff and mm-hmm. and young fifty five Biff, you know, car. next to each other, and the reason they have the car, the the windshield, you know, with the windshield divider one was because with the chrome divider, they got right. exactly yeah, they can the just car, yeah, yeah, they can just have one one film set of film on each side, and they literally just put the film together, you know, when they're doing it, and it makes a seamless thing because they just film him in one side of the car, and then him on the other, and they cut it. Right, right. But, you know, in your mind, you expect it to be a, a much more difficult special effect to pull off. I think the most impression, uh, uh, the most impressive instance of that was when uh, it was in the future at the McFly household, and you had uh, Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly Jr., Marty McFly, and dumb blonde bitch Martina? McFly. Martina? Martina McFly. McFly. It is Martina McFly. Is it for real? I didn't, I didn't pay yes. attention, I guess. I you know, Marty's not a little bit into himself at all to name his kids Mart. Martin, Mar- Martin, 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 Martina, Martina. Yeah, <laughs> I thought. Uh, I also kind of thought Michael J. Fox was kind of hot as a girl. I mean, he's all I small know, he and petite. Wore it very well. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I, I. This is the today. This viewing that I watched today is the first time I noticed that it was Michael J. Fox. I oh, never you even me? bothered looking ever. Uh, wow. I was just like, oh, it's a random girl actress, and then like you know, looking, I was like. No way. (laughs) (laughs) He cleans up nicely. (laughs) Still got the blue eyes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Shall we stray from this topic? Yeah, I think I'm good with that. Let's talk about the things they got wrong on the future, just be for fun. Just because the internet hasn't gone there before, right? Well, I mean... Well, maybe nobody has even thought about it. Maybe somebody (laughs) is just really confused about why, you know, why it's different. People need this, Pete. Yeah. Okay, laser discs. I mean, laser I just discs. got rid of mine, I'm saying, you know. I just never had them because they were so quickly supplanted by DVDs. <laughs> uh, let's see. The 
the uh, I loved that the Mac was an antique in the store. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like the movie kind of forgot that there were years between 1985 and 2015 because you don't really see any vestiges of, of those eras no. uh, re- represented anywhere. Yeah, anything from the 90s. Everything goes straight from, yeah, 85 all the way. Right, which is a common problem with, you know, past visions of science fiction. I've or, uh, uh, Sorry, of the future. I've talked about this many times. You're kind of just, you know, seeing a projection of what, you know, a bunch of primitive backwards 80s people thought was going to be the case 30 years down the road and just like with the star wars the star trek example uh you get a lot of things projected way too far out like warp drives and in this case uh fusion reactors and that kind of thing and then you have some things that fall short of the mark like the old style communicators from star trek or Uh in this case the laser discs the uh like you know everybody's still being obsessed with 80s culture and that right thing well, who isn't obsessed with 80s culture? I think they got that part right. <laughs> <laughs> what was with the bales of laser discs? Like, they were garbage, I guess? There's just bales of fucking laser discs smashed together oh. in the alley. Well, then they got that right, then. Yeah, I like I said, I have that bale of laser discs I keep behind my house. I know, right? <laughs> right next to the Mr. Fusion reactor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't you guys have one of those? Uh, that's what I use with rotten bananas for. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. Fuel, yeah. The Jaws 19, you know, that was one, a famous one that they didn't get right. By well, Max Spielberg. Right. I, I don't think Spielberg has a son named Max. He does. He's not a movie producer. Oh. Also, Jaws, what, 4 through 18 were never produced. Right. So they, they, they missed the mark. Interesting fact, um, because of the upcoming 30th anniversary release of this trilogy um, that's releasing on October 21st, when you are, this, you know, before we recorded this... Basically, they made a fake trailer for Jaws 19. Right. Yeah, you need to go watch that on the internet. That one's a freebie. It's really dumb, but kind of funny, sort of acknowledging how uh, the current uh, generation of movies just sequelizes something to death. But um, obviously, you need one of those 3D TVs to watch it. Yeah, right. (laughs) And like a set of complicated projectors to so the Jaws shark can bite you in your living room. Also, the room needs to be filled with smoke to make that work. God, the future is complicated. I don't like it. I yeah. know, right? I loved how the uh, the jackets were... <laughs> the jacket talked to you, but it was like old-timey computer voice. Oh, sure. I'm like, Stephen Hawking must rule the universe in this iteration <laughs> of the future. <laughs> Just like, we hear his dulcet tones everywhere. Of course, there's no flying cars, but... Uh, or there's no, uh, what's it, age transfusion or whatever, like Doc had. Mm, right. Yeah, we they missed a few things. However, there are 80s cafes just dotting the landscape in, in our 2015, so they got that totally right. Sorry, we, <laughs> we already went there. I just had uh, to talk about the Max Headroom style. Uh, you can order your Coca-Cola from Ronald Reagan or the Ayatollah or, you know, like, what? I, I never understood why the, the whole Max Headroom thing was cool anyway. Like, why do I... Why is a stuttering asshole, you know, guy like the UI that I want to use, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. I just want the information that I want. Stop with the, the and all that shit. Let's get it together, guys. I know, right? It's like, this is getting tedious. Does uh, it every few words? Well, at least they got the, the flat screen TV right. I mean, and you can watch six channels if you want on a flat screen TV with most, you know, weird cable antennas. That is true. 
Uh, apparently, what 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 was uh, Marty McFly Jr. saying? All oh, right, the Atrocity Channel or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> we so, are actually going in that direction. Uh, he's so. talking about Fox News and CNN. Yeah, I think yeah. so. They merged finally. <laughs> I, I thought that the uh, oh. the Scenery Channel thing was pretty funny, but. You know, they'd have the, like, very, I don't know, VHS-looking lines at the bottom of the screen, like the, the weird... Well, I guess the TV was on the fritz or whatever, but I was like, that that's yeah, a they really were... shitty future right there, if there's no definitions mm-hmm. that are high at all. Lorraine was saying that, oh, this thing is broken and old, it should be replaced, so I think that was sort of what they were going for, so they just literally put whatever through a VHS and then, you know, mm-hmm. made it into the film. That was a scene that allowed the movie to harken back to the first movie because it gave Lorraine an opportunity to give us basically a backstory on why Mar- Marty McFly's life is such a piece of crap right now. That would be hitting the Rolls Royce with his car, getting into a fist fight right. with the owner, getting charges pressed, breaking his hand, dropping out of music forever, and just being a loser desk job stiff. Yeah, Lorraine ends up being the historian a lot in this particular movie series. All right, it's it's, yeah. it's sort of her she's purpose. the giver of the exposition for sure. Right. <laughs> And we also know, again, thanks to our trip to 1955, that she favors uh, men with violent tendencies, and whoever's the most violent wins. Well, basically. okay, violent but not evil. Like, not Biff. No, he uses his <laughs> violence for good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is what everybody looks for in a male, I'm sure. Um, but um, but no, that I, the reason I brought up the kind of obscure reference to the Rolls-Royce accident is because that's something, again, that we get the payoff for in the third film. So these movies were definitely constructed together, uh, together with, with yeah. each other in mind, basically. Except the first one. They were, well, not the first one. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the last two. Mm-hmm. Once they were, you know, the search for more money parts two and three. Yeah, then, there, of course, there's the whole chicken subplot, which goes through both um, movies and doesn't really resolve until part three. Like, what are you, chicken? And he can't ever back down because of oh that. Oh, God! How... Yeah, that's the stupidest fucking thing ever. Like, <laughs> seriously, so what? You call me a chicken? Fuck you! That's... Yeah. <laughs> he has a very fragile ego. Well, ego yeah, how, yeah, how many times would he have not gotten himself into trouble with anybody if he just did that? You know? I know, right? His life would have taken such a different course. Well, the one time it turned out good was, you know, in future in the future when he ends up repeating the scene basically from the very first movie with the skateboard you know but with the hoverboard other than that it just causes him trouble throughout the movie and it's like yeah this is not something that marty from the very first movie ever did like you know biff called him out on stuff and he just rolled it off until he just pissed him off it wasn't like "Eh, chicken there's like so much worse things that can be said to you like yeah your mother has a dick and you suck it like that would make me want to punch somebody in the fucking eye you know but the chicken like what what are you six fuck you and then just walk (laughs) away marty's character does seem to be less sure of himself in in this movie versus the first movie you know he's got his shit together Mm -hmm. but marty in two and three doesn't quite got his shit together he's immature in this film he's just kind of along for the ride he doesn't seem like a real brain trust he's asking doc to tell him uh, things that people in our day and age can you know roll with like oh there's some sort of a quantum singularity in the timeline paradox thing and he's like um english please doc and you know that kind of thing he just kind of defers to the doc for anything brain related i guess i think writing wise here here's the difference between marty in part one and marty in part two and three 
Marty in part one had this backstory that, you know, the writers and Michael J. Fox put together. And it was kind of intricate if you think about it. You know, he's he's uh, trying to be a rock star and, you know, doing all this stuff. And he's a really interesting character. Mm -hmm. Marty from two and three, their backstory is part one. There's nothing yeah. deeper than anything that happened on the fucking screen in part one. And so, you know, like any depth that they gave to him in the first movie kind of didn't carry over into the into the future movies. Well, it's like a comic book. They just have an asterisk by him that says, see issue one. Yeah, see issue one. <laughs> Editor of Doom. There's a lot of, of fan sort of discussion around this. Like when they change history in the different Back to the Future movies, you know, what really happens to the characters. Um, obviously, you know, you're, you sort of get the first illusion that uh, a Marty does exist somewhere else uh, when you go to alternate 1985 when Biff is like, I thought I sent you to Europe, basically, and uh, he's right there. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> There's people who have been talking online about like, okay, does, does a, does a uh, time traveler, when they come back, get the memories of the person before or... Or, or the the flaws because maybe the Marty that goes to alternate 1985 is more insecure or maybe the one that came back from the first movies thing is more insecure because he had an easier family life I don't know it's really weird you know the character nope, change I don't like it yeah I don't like it that's that why you stupid. should follow Doc's advice <laughs> and always follow the temporal temporal prime directive or don't mess with it <laughs> yeah don't don't travel through time <laughs> take your time machine and destroy it yeah <laughs> build it. No. Go back five minutes because that's okay. Or no, go forward one minute and then destroy it. Yeah. That's right. Then you can say you did it. Well, yeah. And then, of course, there's the whole, like, how many dead Martys are in this, you know, <laughs> that died because of the different timelines. But, uh, yeah, it's... They litter an entire dimension. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty sloppy, their version of the space-time continuum, because at one point... You know, you get the, the feeling that these alternate, you know, Martys and they just disappear because that's what happened to, you know, Marty. He was literally fading away in the first movie. I just mm -hmm. did a gesture. You can't see it because you're listening. But in the second movie, you know, he's talking about alternate timelines and, you know, things kicking off about you. Like, so what is it? Do things just stop existing or are, are they parallel? Like, you know, what's what? It, I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, watching the X-Men movies have really made me start thinking about time travel in movies because that was pretty sloppy too, but we're not going to talk about that right now. You mean our, our uh, constant uh, re-delving into the time travel trope has caused you to think about it with some depth? Certainly, I think, you know, this this was maybe my first introduction to time travel as a kid, so you just don't think about it. Well, and, and, and as many problems as this has, I, I read an article, um, you know, sort of researching for this uh, this series and it was talking about like all the different theories of time travel and it talks about like the top uh, 15 movies for time travel and and this one actually makes the most sense when you look at like terminator just like boom you know explodes the time travel thing and, and other movies so this actually has at least some rules they try to follow it's still fucked up well i think you know they, they made this movie as something that you uh it's in front of you you eat popcorn, you watch it, and you go, yeah, at the end when things kind of work out. And then you don't think about it after you leave until it comes out again on VHS a year you know, a year later. And you could watch it again and go, yeah, but it's not something that you're supposed to think about. I mean, who thinks about movies? Definitely, right. definitely a summer blockbuster feel. And this movie is a lot of, it's not a philosophical time travel tale. It is really just a, the characters are reacting to the many twists and turns, plot twists and turns that come about because they are 
navigating, you know, all of the effects that they've had on themselves through time. Well, basically. yeah, and, and the interesting difference between this and the second movie, or sorry, the first movie, is that the first movie, and I think we talked about this before, is really sort of a personal tale. Um, the time travel effects really are with the immediate family and people around the McFlies, you right. know, Biff Tannen, um, Strickland, you know, etc. Uh, but when you look at uh, what happened in part two, basically by Biff getting the almanac, becoming the richest guy in America, basically uh, Hill Valley is pretty bad. And you can assume that America is like fucked up <laughs> and it's like a post-apocalyptic wasteland in 1985. But luckily and Nixon won like five terms. There's one of the things that's mentioned, you know? <laughs> oh, man. But luckily Van Halen still had time to write their classic hit. I can't drive 55. <laughs> Fucking A. If that had been erased from the timeline, the things would have been much, much worse. I'm like, sure. why even go forward? Like, God, just take us all right now. <laughs> right? If I if I can't have Van Halen, I don't want to live. <laughs> what do you guys think about um, Doc's more expanding role in this movie? I mean, basically in the first movie, um, he was sort of Marty's sort of mentor, but it, he didn't really play a huge part in the plot other than like, okay, we got to get him home. And mm -hmm. Marty, here are the rules of time travel fix things goodbye in this Good movie luck. yeah in, yeah exactly in this movie it's definitely like they're a pair they're a team well the, i think if i may i think that the first movie kind of just represented a real start to finish you know excuse the pun race against the clock type, type of a plot indeed they relied on doc's um you know know-how about well just electricity basically he hadn't invented the time machine yet but in this one his understanding of time travel has matured enough where they really are you know relying on his expertise to help navigate the situations i mean every time something uh dangerous crops up it's not just sending marty off to do the you know the dirty work it's doc having to sit down with his chalkboard and theorize what it is they need to do next. Oh, yeah, and the contingency plans that Doc has. Obviously, you can tell he's got that whole briefcase full of money from different time periods. Right, it's like he's become paranoid because of his his the horrors of time travel, essentially. You know, I think he went to the future um, because he impressed, you know, some ladies with his DeLorean, and he had to go forward enough so that he could get rid of some uh, particularly nasty STDs. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, eventually they're going to cure all of them. But right, right, herpes, that shit stays with you, but maybe not in 2015. <laughs> Spoilers, it still stays with it, you. Yes, it really does. <laughs> and uh, also important <laughs> to note that in 2015, the DeLorean is still an impressive automobile. There's one that zooms around our neighborhood, and I'm always just like, nice car, man. <laughs> they throw the horns at him. He's like, who's this fucker? <laughs> yeah. Can you do 88 in that thing? Of course you can. Hello, Not hello, in a neighborhood, hello. though. <laughs> yeah. Please, please slow down. Watch out for children. Again, I was just thinking about, like, Tom Wilson stealing the show and, like, old Biff just being absolutely, like, he has no time to deal with his younger self. There's part of that whole thing, like, old Biff is, is definitely wiser than he was, and he's angry about everything that ever happened to his life. And he's just he fucking like, hates himself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, he hates everybody, so why make an exception for himself? Oh, yeah. I just, hello. <laughs> well, but he is why he is where he is, and he hates him for it. Ten times when old Biff just cannot. Right. Oh, I, I just love his carmudgeon, carmudgeon -ness. and Oh, yeah. And, and just the, uh, 
<laughs> the way the way he berates his younger self is mm. oh well, you know delicious when, when you're an old man if you had a chance to talk to yourself you'd think you were a goddamned idiot just i mean i think oh, i'm a sure. goddamned idiot right now so when i'm old i'm not going to be nice about it <laughs> <laughs> yes i would slap myself in high school i think for sure yeah <laughs> i wish i, could. I didn't go back in time to make friends with myself okay get your shit together <laughs> me but um, yeah, I, I I thought it was interesting. Like in the very first movie that uh, Doc had to explain to Marty how the time machine works, and Old Biff just rolls in like, "Oh, click click, you know, <laughs> this is how I do Going it." Go back in time, don't mind me. Probably you know turns on some fucking tunes on the radio and all yeah. that shit. Yeah, uh, that seemed pretty thin to me. Where he just understands how to use it immediately. I, I I love that Biff is even a jerk to kids. I mean, that's how you know how evil he is. He's just like picking on these like five year old children. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love that. When he walks out of his grandma's house with all the nice little lawn ornaments, they're like, "I really don't think this is Biff." And then he proceeds to go out and abuse a group of children. And, throw and then Barty's like, "Yep, away. that's Biff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we found him. <laughs> there is no doubt." Oh, I just I love the Biff character. You know, he's 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 really <laughs> did anybody fe- expertly played? Oh yeah, yeah. Did anybody feel like the the second part of the movie was like a mission structure? I felt like the second part of the movie felt like a modern video game. It's like. Doc is back on on the radio. It's like Metal Gear Solid, you know. Doc, he's Marty's like calling in for a codec, and then like Doc's like, "You got, you got to do X, Y, Z, and you can't be seen." And so then Marty's like sneaking around Metal Gear style, and then somebody sees him, and my brain Bruh? just went, Bruh? "Yeah, Bruh? yeah." <laughs> Quick, hide point. in that locker. Yeah. <laughs> McFly, Ooh, look at this poster. McFly! What's that? I was like, ooh, look at this poster. And oh, I thought you said, look at the sponsor. Like, can we get Kojima production? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I, f- I feel like the movie kind of happens in very distinct acts, uh, to expand on that just a little bit further. The first part, it's the flashy, fun part of the movie. Kind of feels like the Jabba's Palace scene in Return of the Jedi. It's over with and resolved very quickly, and then it's on to basically the rest of the film. Uh, the second one post-apocalyptic dystopian of course there's that kind of thing everything's going wrong that sort of a thing the third part of the movie is just the movie having nostalgia for itself i mean we get to see the behind the scenes off-camera happenings of the first movie which we all loved so much and just what was all happening during those scenes you know just off screen you know that was uh while that was kind of my favorite scene in the the first movie with you know him doing the guitar and stuff it turns out that was kind of my favorite scene in the second movie too <laughs> right mm-hmm. i guess i just i just like tiny men playing guitar i don't know they were like hey you think we're straying from our brand no the entire third part of the movie is just what already happened i i i did like um him having to basically best the other bullies like you already bested Biff in the first one. Now he has to best the other bullies in, in order to keep things rolling. Did you notice uh, Billy Zane was one of those bullies? Yeah, yeah. sure was. Yeah. yeah. It, I like how the same group of three bullies follows Biff around through his whole life, basically. They're in the dystopian <laughs> yes. 1985. They're in 1955. He's got his crew. I'll have to... I'll have to, uh, you know, really pay attention in the, the Wild West to see if that's the same dudes. That'd be fun. Yeah, no kidding. Hmm. I'm keeping my eye out for yeah. it for sure. But that was just one of the many little things that pops up. This plot is complex and convoluted, and it's just like a new element pops up every once in a while, and it, it was the mission structure. It's like, okay, accept this mission now. Quest accepted. You now have to 
beat up the bullies or stop the bullies from stopping you because another horrible paradox will happen if you don't do that. So it's just rapid fire. It, it was great. I feel like they uh, they tried to make this movie double relevant to the first. It was already a direct sequel, so it feels really connected. But by making it so that if they hadn't gone back in the second movie, then the shit from the first movie wouldn't have happened, you know, with him having to stop the bullies. It, it kind of made it double, you know, tied in. I, I kind of like that, honestly. Oh, and it made you feel tension for the plots of the first and second movies simultaneously. Yes, exactly. Interesting. That's why it felt so tense. Jeez. It really did. It was twists and turns nonstop the whole time. And will they fail at this moment? Because if they don't, they'll fail at the next moment, probably. Mm -hmm. Every time something new pops up, I'm like, Jesus, really? Come on! (laughs) How many different ways can Marty not snatch that sports almanac? My (laughs) God. I know. That's like half the movie. Right, exactly. It's just like, oh, jeez. Just, you know, just fucking kill Biff. It's not a big deal. (laughs) You're not going to get caught. They're not going to tie it to you. You're going back to the future. Just kill him. Back to the Future 2, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, put your fingerprints all over it, because fuck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's nobody they could tie it to. You're not from there. That's right. <laughs> Clint Eastwood. Wait, what? <laughs> or sorry, not Clint Eastwood. Uh, Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein. <laughs> yes. Fuck that. Underwear guy. man arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Underwear tycoon behind bars. <laughs> The uh, of course the, there's the 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 ending. It's like I I did find myself at the very end where uh, Marty is is there and he's like burning the book. It's like Doc, why didn't you fucking land the DeLorean? Why are you sitting up there? Is it so important to just be up there? And you know you just lowered him down. Why don't you just land the fucking thing and put it behind the the place you've been hiding it the whole time? Make sure he burns it. Clearly Doc has been like Marty. I can't believe you watched this. Marty, I can't believe you didn't know, do right? that. Mar- you know, as he's giving the missions, like fuck Marty, come on. I, I at this point, if I were Doc, I'd be like, no, yeah, I'm gonna fucking burn this myself. He chooses this time to be all lax in his standards. You yeah, know? <laughs> his crusade to preserve the timeline. He's like, yeah, I'm sure he'll be able to burn that book in the high wind situation that he's in down there. And it isn't exactly foreshadowing when Marty's like, Doc, you know, come down, you're gonna get struck by lightning. Struck by lightning. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, you know where the safest place for that DeLorean would have been during the storm? Yeah, on the fucking ground. Like what? Absolutely. But but really, then the plot really thin logic move forward. It would be the end. Back to the Future Two concludes. Like, like oh, that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yay! I did like the guy delivering the letter. I thought that was a lot of character for just a dude from Western Union. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. He's like, the fellows have had a bet for seventy five years that nobody'd be here when I showed up. <laughs> I guess I owe him a hoagie or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what we bet around in 1955. Sandwiches, how quaint. That's right. (laughs) Catch me in Freaks and Geeks. Oh, yeah, he was that guy. Freaks and Geeks. Or the the jackass guy from Happy Gilmore. You will not make this puck, you jackass. Yes. I don't know. I recognized him right away. (laughs) It was awesome. Well, I, you know, I knew I'd seen him in a bunch of stuff, but it, it, you know, it was one of those things where I couldn't place like the the things that I'd seen him. I was like, Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. He's in tiny little bit things everywhere. Right. Is it also weird to you guys that at the end of the movie, he's starting to say, Oh, the doc It's usually just doc, 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 doc. And all of a sudden the doc. And then Mm -hmm. he's alive. The doc's alive. Why are you adding the all the time at the end of this year? Plus, tell the messenger boy all about the whole, like, oh, I'm, by the way, I'm a time traveler, and I'm trying to find my time traveling friend. 
It's like, okay. Yeah, he, 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 he did ask for some clarification, too. He was like, hey, yeah, let me know what's going on with this. And he's like, fuck you, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I've said too much. And anyway, like, the payment for that should have been kind of exorbitant. Like, nobody paid for that. I'm sure the, the dime or whatever that Doc paid for it in 1881 or whatever the fuck it was, that's not going to cover, you know, 70 years of, of, of safe stewardship of this document. Yeah. Right. yeah. Like, dude, there is a there's the issue of my, you know, the feed <laughs> we need to talk about before you run off. There's some interest on this bitch. No kidding. They totally should have got, like, uh, you know, I don't know, a gangster movie style guy just to be like, hey. Mm. <laughs> well, break your fucking kneecaps. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the Future 2.5. Is Marty trying to get out of debt to the mafia? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I had that book. I had the book. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, I mean, is there anything else that we want to cover with this movie? I feel like we haven't talked about how Christopher Lloyd's performance is, is, as Doc is always superb. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's perfect yeah, I for think the that part. Guy's great. He did that part in uh, a million ways to die in the West. I think was what it was called. The uh, the Family Guy dude, right? Uh, Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. He has that movie, uh, that that Western movie, and you know, Do, uh, Doc Brown's in it. In, in his, Does uh, he appear as Doc Brown? Wow. I haven't seen that. I, I, I heard. Yeah, about he appears as Doc Brown. Oh yes. wow! Yeah, he appears. You know, as, as it was coming up. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say he appears as Doc Brown hiding the DeLorean in that mine shaft or whatever. So, like, the characters no, in, from it's A Million in the, Ways the to Die from the West walk in on yeah. that scene transpiring. <laughs> nice. Now I have to watch yeah. that movie. <laughs> it's actually not a bad movie. I kind of hate Seth MacFarlane. I, I just, I don't know. There's something about him. I think he's had a lot of facial work done, and I'm not okay with that. I don't know. But, yeah, I, that's it's a fun movie. Huh. Yeah, I, I probably never would have uh, bothered with it, but just for that cameo alone, it could be worth it. Well, the 30th anniversary Blu-ray set also has like a 30-minute mini-movie of a bunch of Doc Brown stuff with Christopher Lloyd. New new material, you know, like a mini-movie called Doc Brown Saves the World, so I uh, think I want to check that out. Awesome. <laughs> How far off was this from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Because um, he was he was a pretty hot commodity back then, honestly. I mean, he had a he had. Quite it was a few the roles. next movie. This was the next movie after Zemeckis did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Was that as was? Yeah, I was going to say that was a Zemeckis film. Wasn't that was it? a Zemeckis joint as well. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> as he was not calling them. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well. I think with that, if you guys are comfortable with it, let's uh, close out this spoiler section and get right to the the decision. All right, so now is the moment you've all been waiting for. The moment where we decide if this movie is sacred. Bovinus Sanctorum. Or if this movie needs to be put out to pasture. Bovinus Excommunicado. That's a little bit weaker than I uh, usually do it, but I, you know we'll work on it. You'll reverb it, right? Sure. Okay. We'll, we'll do what we can. Don't reverb it. So, Josh, do you want to roll that uh, D6 again and see who should go first? Same rules as last time? Totes can. I can totes do that. I just said totes. I'm so sorry. All right, just a <laughs> review. Uh, I am one and two. Michael is three and four. Pete is five and six. Ooh, I rolled a one. Ha-ha! Well, well I, I think it's only fair that we be good hosts and let you go anyway. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, going into it, I, I kind of expected to hate it more than I did. And it turns out, 
you know, yeah, there's some issues uh, with the movie. and I mean, it's a popcorn summer blockbuster movie, so of course there's going to be some issues, but I think it still holds up. I think it's uh, a divine piece of film. It's not perfect, uh, and I think that, you know, the other two are stronger, but I don't think that it uh, should be set out to pasture. That was pretty succinct. Okay, That's so... That's a bovina sanctorum. All uh, right. All right. Uh, you next or me next? Uh, roll that die again. Now it's one through three and it's four through six. All right. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Mike's first half, Pete's second half. Here we go. It's a six. Go, Pete. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Hey, I want some verification. No. <laughs> That's impossible, I understand. So this movie, uh, once again, I thought that this was the most sacred of the bunch as a kid, and I was really worried upon the rewatching today about whether that would hold true anymore. The future scene sure gave me a scare, but really, the movie achieves what it means to do. Summer blockbuster, edge-of-your-seat type of a thing you know thriller tense situations honestly i don't think that uh, the timeline discrepancies or continuity errors are as bad as you know we were making of them before um the acting is really pretty competent and it's just is this the most important uh measure of a movie it's just a fun movie i think that this is definitely still a sacred cow not just because it's part of the series although it's not a standalone movie but because it really still has that fun factor. And uh, so that's my verdict. What about you, Mike? Oh, Last well. man standing. Uh, well, I am ready to give this a sacred on Tom Wilson's performance alone. <laughs> you know, I really did not appreciate how good Tom Wilson is in the first movie and the second movie until, you know, this most recent viewing. I wasn't paying a ton of attention to Biff. And I realized that how evil he is in the first movie is pretty damn evil. But now he's evil with power, like Josh mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Just makes him that much more. It magnifies um, what he is. And he is just chewing scenery throughout this movie. I love old Biff having disdain for, you know, young Biff and just like, you know, tearing him a new one when he's sitting there. That alone does it. But, you know, you're right. It is just fun. It's not without some problems. Um, not the least of which is, uh, you know, some of the, the things in the, in the future are, are probably more problematic than the things in the past just because of, of, of weirdness um, and prosthetics. But, <laughs> but, but I think overall it still deserves a sacred. And it really does uh, set up, uh, you know, number three. You kind of need it to have uh, number three. It's not always elegant in the way it does things, but it's kind of like uh, a couple different fun movies in one. All right. So it sounds like a a verdict all three for Bovinus Sanctorum. Unanimous. I love it when Yay. we're unanimous. We all think alike on this. Yeah. <laughs> all Maybe right. that's scary. Maybe now that I think about it. Okay. Yeah, you think like me, Pete. Oh God. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. I can roll with this. All right. All right. It's kind of freeing. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, with that, let's go to the final thoughts. And that concludes our review of the 1989 Sacred Cow, Back to the Future Part 2. You guys know, next time we'll be talking about the Back to the Future Part 3. Of course, it's going to be two weeks from now, so go find your way to watch it. As far as I know, it's still on Amazon Prime till the end of the month. That's a good way to get it, Um, but whatever way you can. 
with that, we're gonna we're gonna go to the to the uh, contact information. So, uh, of course, you can always find us on the internet with uh, our Twitter handle and get us some feedback on at Sacred Cows Pod. That's at Sacred Cows Pod on Twitter. Uh, we'd also love to hear from you on our email, which would be Sacred Cows at HeroOfTheWeb.com. That's Sacred cows at herooftheweb.com. Finally, we want to give Josh an opportunity to tell everybody where he can be found on the web. All over the place! <laughs> yeah, well, right now I'm in my closet because that's where I record. Don't judge me. You can find me at It's Probably Josh on Twitter, and if you want to follow my show, you can do that at CAF Podcast. Furthermore, if you want to give us a listen, you can go to CAFpodcast.com. And just a fun little reminder that we are a part of the Geekly Inc. network of podcasts. And uh, you can find that at geeklyinc.com. And there are other fun shows like Cast of Thrones and Sayer, Top Five of Death, Drunks and Dragons, Dreadful Thoughts, uh, and Fistful of Pixels. I think that's all of them. I think you got them. I think you got them. And they're, they're, all, they're all fun shows. Okay, well, with that, um, we will see everyone in two weeks for the Back to the Future Part 3 review. And once again, thanks, Josh, for joining us. Hey, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. That's my excited noise. <laughs> well, hopefully this isn't the last time we see you. Are you inviting me back for another, another We episode? might see him when we go Back to the Future. Part 3, yes. You can be invited back for that. You did a great job. Awesome. I'm excited. That's my favorite of the movies. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, we'll see you with Josh for Back to the Future Part 3. Bye, everybody. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>